You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Lock on Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets. Now, as I teased on yesterday's show, what I want to start to talk about is the immense pitching depth that the Mets have accrued this offseason and how... Their rotation in Syracuse is going to be, albeit not the best, but a major league caliber starting rotation. So what I did for today's show is actually had Jack Ramsey, one of the writers on Metsmerize on to talk about just that. On this part of our two-part conversation, you'll hear us talk a lot about the Mets specifically and some of that depth that exists beyond the major league roster when it comes to their starting pitching. And then we also, in the second half of the show, begin an exercise where we're going to take the Syracuse Mets rotation and stack it up with some of the worst rotations in baseball and see how they compare. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. And, of course, you can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMariseOnline.com. All right, Mets fans, happy to bring on another guest from Metsmerize. I got Jack Ramsey here. He runs our social media. Thank you for joining me today. How's it going, man? It's good. I'm excited to talk about the Syracuse Mets. <laughs> yeah, me too. You had a tweet the other day that I saw, and I was thinking about doing a topic on this anyway, and that's why I was like, I got to get Jack on because you mentioned what the rotation is going to look like in Syracuse, and it might not be a great major league rotation, but I think we can make the argument, and that's what we're going to do today, that it's a major league rotation that the Mets are going to have in AAA. Yeah, it's not like those arguments you get every year, like, oh, could Alabama go out and beat the Jets or the Jaguars? Like, this is yeah, this is a legit conversation, because when you look at it, not even just one through five, you kind of start getting into, like, who's up next if someone has to go up to Queens. There's still a lot of depth there, and it doesn't just end with the first five they have. Yeah, it's so, I mean, just to go through what we're going to do today, we're going to talk a little bit specifically about the pitching depth, but to go through the exercise, what I did was I went through fan graphs, I looked at their projected rotations, and then what I did was any rotation that had a starting pitcher projected to have an ERA below four, I took out. So, because Joey Lucchese, who's going to be our quote-unquote ace of the Syracuse Mets, he's projected to have a 4.10 ERA. So I eliminated all those teams. I think we have 11 here uh, to go through. But let's talk about that Mets rotation first. Assuming David Peterson gets the fifth spot, we got Joey Lucchese, Jordan Yamamoto. I have Mike Montgomery, Corey Oswalt, and Jared Eikhoff as the five. And that leaves you with guys like Franklin Killamay, like Thomas Zabaki, like Sean Reed Foley. I don't know where they're getting starts. So, I mean, speak about that depth for a minute. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because it was this time, or a little bit before this time last year, you know, Brody Van Wagenen was telling us that Rick Porcello and 
Michael Walker and making the Mets the deepest rotation in baseball. But you look at it now, it, it really is the deepest group of starting pitchers you're going to find anywhere in baseball. Someone has to go up. You're not just going to call up someone from double A, regardless of if they were successful or not, or regardless of, you know, kind of their timeline through the minors. You're, call, you're going to slot in a guy who's more than deserving to be in that spot in triple A. Because if you were to say, theoretically, you know, the Mets need a starter for short term, someone gets hurt. Okay, you call up Lucchese. You can slot in Thomas Sapuki, who before Tommy John in 2017 was a consensus top 100 prospect in baseball. He's got one of the best repertoires of any pitcher in the Mets system. You know, unfortunately for him, he was really hitting his the stride of his rehab at the back end of the 2019 season. And obviously 2020 would have been a big year for him, you know, first year after rehab, but then you have no minor league season. So the question with him kind of becomes, is he a starter? You know, is he a reliever? Because, you know, and only, I think it was four or five of his rehab starts. He those are the only times he got beyond five innings. A lot of his rehab starts were three innings plus, four innings plus, four innings plus five, even never really getting beyond that. You know, that's not what you want to see from a, a starter in double A, triple A, because that's when you start to expect them going deeper and deeper into games. So an inability to get past the fifth inning is concerning. You know, you can look at someone like Sean Reed Foley. He didn't really cut it as a starter in Toronto. He showed a better upside as a swing man, as a multi-inning reliever. His stuff played up out of the bullpen, you know, kind of in a Seth Lugo light type role for the Blue Jays. Obviously not as effective or as good, but the same precipice of a guy who didn't cut as a starter. His stuff plays up and saw a tick in his fastball and saw his off-speed pitch be more effective out of the pen, who can give you one time through the rotation because as a starter, once he got that second, third time through, lineups had him figured out. You know, we all we all know the story of the starter who can't make it more than two times through. And thankfully for them in baseball today, they're finding the home in the bullpen. Yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting thing the Mets can play with because, you know, I have Joey Lucchese as, you know, the quote-unquote ace of the Syracuse Mets, but I could see the Mets going to a nine-man bullpen with Lucchese piggybacking starts or Peterson piggybacking starts. We could see openers. I mean, there's a lot the Mets can do with that depth, and that might trickle down to the minors where you have guys that are going to have to pitch on the same day, like a Zupuki, like Killame. And I also think what you're talking about there is interesting because I think last year, if we look at Killame specifically, he is the greatest example of where a lack of depth really hurt the Mets because this is a guy who was a former top prospect who was just basically – forced onto the active roster a million times because of a lack of depth. And now you can really focus on development for guys like that. No, I wrote an article about it not too long ago, or not an article about it. I wrote about starters that the Mets had in their, in their system who might play up as relievers. And I mentioned Killame purely because he profiles a lot like an early Jerry's Familia did when he first came up at 2011-2012. He's got a handful of pitches. A lot of them aren't the best, but he has two or three that if focused on and if developed can play big time out of the bullpen. And part of his issue last year was he was coming off the Tommy John surgery for the UCL tear that he suffered playing in the Dominican League in 2018. So it was a weird mix of trying to rehab while also trying to contribute at the major league roster. And that's just not a recipe for success. It's literally setting him up for failure. And like you said, it, it points to a lack of depth. If you get to the point where you have to try and combine a rehab assignment with producing at the major league level. Yeah. And to your point about piggybacking, 
we might we might see a little bit of that with Syndergaard. You know, if they try and ease him, if they try and ease him in, do they maybe look at someone like Reed Foley or Kilame, who they know can give them two, three innings, and Syndergaard first gets back? Do they does Syndergaard maybe go four or five to start Kilame and Reed Foley right and or Reed Foley right behind to give them two or three out of the pen, get them to the seventh or eighth like you normally expect out of Syndergaard? Yeah, I think that could definitely be something we see, and especially because if you are projecting the Mets to be a playoff team you can kind of control innings that way as well with someone like Syndergaard so that he can pitch into the playoffs if the Mets were to make a deep run. We will have more with Jack Ramsey in just a second, but I had to take a quick snack break and tell you about the best tasting protein bar ever. And that's Built Bar. They have 18 amazing flavors. We got the classic favorites like the caramel brownie bar, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and the Apple Almond Crisp. These really are protein bars that taste like candy bars. Come and covered in 100% chocolate. Built Bars are soft and easy to chew. And they are healthy as they come low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. If you want to try Built Bar today, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or food. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything you could want from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and have it delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Since we're talking about the Mets pitching staff as a whole, I'm curious what your take is on Sam McWilliams, because I think my, my take right now is I have a feeling McWilliams is going to be a reliever this year and play a big role out of the Mets bullpen, just because of how that stuff could play up with a guy who's six foot seven with a 98 mile power fastball and a pretty good slider. I think there might be something there for the Mets to build on. You know, I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that he's coming from the Rays organization and the, an organization that, that develops pitching like it's nobody's business. Why exactly they just kind of let him walk? Mm. You know, we can't, we can't speak for that. The Rays have made a lot of confusing decisions before, but they almost always play out for them. So I do agree with you that I think he does have a really good chance of playing up out of the, out of the bullpen for the Mets. I've been very outspoken in my opinion that I think he should get a fair shot at kind of taking Lugo's spot on the roster, not his spot in the pen but his spot on the roster until he's able to rehab. Cause I don't think it's, it's a necessity to go out and sign an extra reliever just to cover Lugo's spot for a month. I think McWilliams and or Drew Smith can do that perfectly fine. If you give them the shot, They've, Smith has shown in the bigs that when he's used correctly and his usage isn't all over the place, he's effective. You no, know, granted that's the age old story with all the Mets relievers dating back to like Eric Goodell 
you know, guys that look good then get ran into the ground for two weeks and get shipped away to AAA for a month and a half and then go on the injured list. So I think if he's used correctly, he can be a huge player for the Mets and the same thing to go for McWilliams. You know, we don't, it's not that we don't know what to expect out of him because there is an aspect of a minor league track record and a scouting track record there. And they, they're both favorable for him. They both point to the fact that he can be the contributor on the major league roster, but I don't think it's as a starter. I think a lot of the times you run into guys that are six, seven, six, eight, that big and throw that hard. The lifespan as a, as a starter, unless you're a special talent, it's not always going to be there, you know, because when you're with a frame that big, there are, there do end up being, you know, mechanic questions. And a lot of guys, you know, we even look at Syndergaard a few years back, his mechanics did start to come into question, even just issues like he still doesn't know how to hold base runners on. You know, when you get to guys with a frame that big, a lot of the mechanical stuff in that side of the aspect of pitching becomes a question mark, but those question marks can be downplayed out of the bullpen. They're a lot less of an issue because you're not looking for six, seven, eight innings every fifth day. You know, McWilliams might come in and give you two innings a week, and that might be it. But I definitely think his stuff and his repertoire gives him a really good chance to play up for the Mets out of the bullpen. And I'm always going to die on the hill that there's no point in really evaluating relievers too heavily if they're not considered elite guys because they're 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 all over the place like you there's only about I think there's only about 20 to 30 relievers in baseball you can honestly say year in year out they're going to be good that's kind of one of Sandy Alverson's talents I think he's really good at eyeballing relievers and finding ones that'll work you know sometimes it doesn't work out based on how managers use them as we've seen in years past but Alderson's always had a good eye for relievers so the McWilliams signing, I think, kind of points to that too. You know, I'll argue that his best acquisition that wasn't Yoana Cespedes was Addison Reed, oh, who yeah. he got for nothing during the waiver deadline. Any team could have butt in and try and grab Reed or try and stop the trade, but they didn't. You know, Reed was not a hot commodity or totally wanted, and he turned out to be pro- probably one of the 10 best relievers in Mets history. And you think I think there's a really good case for that based on talent alone. I know the tenure was short. When you look at one, Alderson's track record with relievers, two, McWilliams' build, three, his repertoire, and four, where he's coming from, you can trust that there's a really solid foundation there, that somebody with a good eye for relievers picked him out, and that there's a solid foundation just based on his talent alone. Yeah, I think all of that make, makes a lot of sense. And I think what you're talking about with his height you know, not having to repeat that motion for, you know, 85, 90 pitches and coming out of the bullpen, that definitely could be a way that we can see him be a little bit more effective. Another thing that came across my mind when you were talking about the relievers that can just kind of get by for a minute, I really don't want anyone to go back. I think it was in 2019. Don't look at the first couple of podcasts I did after Drew Gagno came up to the Mets. Because I thought this guy was great, man. He was just attacking. he was great for like a week. He fell victim to the malpractice of Mets managers and bullpen management. Oh my god! You no, know, it's it's you know same thing happened to Paul Seawall. He was yeah. great for like two weeks last year. Then then or not last year? Two, I think it was two years ago. Then Mickey Callaway ran him out there. It felt like every other game, his arm fell off, and then he started being terrible. Yeah. Send him down the triple A. We didn't hear from him again. Yep, yeah, it'll happen. We've seen so many cases of that. Now, the good thing, let's kind of transition here to talk about this rotation that I outlined and how it would stack up to some of these other teams. So 
as I already mentioned, we got Luke Casey, Yamamoto, Mike Montgomery, Corey Oswald, and Jared Eikhoff as a potential rotation. If you look at their projected ERAs, you have Luke Casey at 410. Uh, Yamamoto is at 538. Montgomery, 450. Corey Oswald, 490. And Eikhoff is at 493. So the one rotation that I want to start with is one that it's a little bit hard to argue that the Syracuse Mets are better than the Chicago Cubs, but it is interesting to look at the projections. They have Kyle Hendricks at 4.27 for his ERA, which I mean, personally, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Yeah. So that alone, I included them, but I think that Kyle Hendricks as an ace is enough to say that the Cubs are better than the Syracuse Mets, but just Hendricks, from- Hendricks has the build and the repertoire of a guy that, you know, projection systems just don't like. Projection yeah. systems love the guys that will go out, throw hard, drop a nasty hook, but have, you know, irregardless of their control issues of any of that, their ability to go deep in games, like projection systems love those guys. I don't know how often in a year Kyle Hendricks is going to hit 90. No. no. So it, it makes sense that. I, I'd wager that he probably gets projected around four every year, and he does a lot better than that most years. And an interesting one, kind of a comp on their own staff is Zach Davies. Uh, he's at four seven six. Another one that where he could probably perform better than that. They have Jake Arrieta, Jake Arrieta at four nine five, Alec Mills at five ten, and Trevor Williams at four ninety six. So again. The point is those two rotations, just based on projections, kind of stack up, even though I think we can both agree that Kyle Hendricks' presence alone makes the Cubs rotation better than the Syracuse Mets. Yeah, I'd agree there. I think they're probably a little low on Zach Davies, too. I really liked what he did in his time in Milwaukee. Now, granted, that might be a product of one of the smarter organizations in baseball, but he definitely showed to be a more than serviceable starter. Yeah. You know, with his – during his time at the Brewers, he was starting playoff games, looking good. I think he was their ace, wasn't he, at one point? There, there was a little while, you know. They definitely – I don't think the Brewers have really had an ace in a while. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm sure Matt Garza had a little run at the top of their rotation. I'm wondering if he might have started one of those wild card games. Regardless, let's go to the Pirates because here's where the conversation starts to get a little more interesting, okay? Mm-hmm. We got Stephen Brault. I'll be honest, never heard of him. That's their projected ace, uh, 4.88 ERA. Chad Cool, 4.90. Tyler Anderson, 4.97. Mitch Keller at 4.64. And then JT Brubaker at 4.49. First of all, let's start there. Wasn't Brubaker like in some football movie? Am I remembering this right? Was it was it the replacements that there was a Brubaker? I think that I think that might be it. I'm not. I'm not too sure. That name sounds familiar. That's all I'm saying. But do any of those names stand out on that rotation to you? Um, no, no. Yeah. I think, you know, Stephen Brault probably is the best chance to be decent out of all of them. But I think this is going to be one of those years for the Pirates where 13, 14, 15 guys start games. Exactly. You know, we, as Mets fans, we've been down those roads where there's no one serviceable in the rotation and there's a boatloaded dudes starting games you know when you have a payroll under 30 million you're going to run into these issues you know like i think if steven brawl ends up being your ace regardless of how badly you want you want to win or how badly you want to have a chance to pick at the top of the class 
I, I think it's embarrassing. I think we could say from that that the Syracuse Mets are at least the 29th best rotation in baseball. And now we keep going and see how much higher they can get. It's, it's, it's a little sad, but they might be better than the 29th best rotation in baseball. I think until I get to some of these other ones. I apologize for that cutting off a bit, but there is plenty in store tomorrow for the second part of my conversation with Jack Ramsey. So make sure you tune in then. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ryan, And follow the show at LockedOnMets.